When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chad and Zay. All right, let's go. Hour number three on a Thursday. Chad and Zay, I'm Chad Hastings. He is Isaiah Collier. Picks out a special beat for you to start every third hour. A lot of times, he goes with a beat that matches up with our album. Is this ludicrous? That's right. There we go. Ludicrous, Moneymaker, produced by Pharrell. It's when Luda took a little bit of time off and cut the braids and went to the fade around 2007, 2008 mm. and dropped this track. And it was big, like a lot of his other hits. All right. So good. Moneymaker. Moneymaker, ludicrous beat to start the hour. We'll get into that ludicrous album and the face-off discussion coming up just uh, quickly in the world of sports. Obviously talking Denver winning Game 3. CP3 released by Phoenix. Where will he end up? Something both L.A. teams could be uh, targets. Zay also mentioned the Bucks as possibilities. How about Dalvin Cook? He's available in the NFL. And yes, Longhorn fans, there is a summer report out there that the Longhorn football team may be or is changing up the way they send signals in because they feel like some opponents were figuring them out last year. So we have been talking about that as well. All right. So did you just see something we need to hit before we get in here? Okay. All right. So for this week, Zay, would you like to go album first or would you like to go movie first? I feel like we got to go movie first. Oh, man. I'm so excited to hear what you thought of the cinematic masterpiece, Face Off, June of 97. It was a summer blockbuster. They made, uh, they took them 80 million to make it. And they made 245, baby, back in 97. So what did you think of Face Off? Wild. <laughs> and it was fun. I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed every bit of it. I thought Travolta and Nicolas Cage were both great. I thought the cast was good. And the plot was really good. Like, I, I really thought it was very interesting that this dude, Nicolas Cage, is a terrorist. He's wilding out on the plane before it crashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> he's a terrorist. He I've, obviously everything comes back to Zion at this point because Zion was spinning down the porn star's throat. <laughs> Nicholas Cage was doing a lot of that stuff. Nicholas Cage did a lot, and then when it switched to Travolta and he became Cage and vice versa, and he did the tongue down like mm-hmm. the tongue with the daughter. That was a little eerie, but whatever. It was a good. I mean, I got the slow motion. Definitely got that. I told you, that movie might be only an hour and ten minutes if they didn't do slow motion. Like, John Woo, I believe, is the director's name, and he loves slow motion. Yeah, the part when... Nicholas Cage wakes up, and he's Travolta, Travolta at this point. Yeah. And he wakes up, and he pulls the pistol out on old girls, baby mom, the... 
he and O's baby mom because he's Travolta, and there that big ass shootout happened in somebody's home. Uh-huh. Like it was just that's just somebody's home. <laughs> like they just the cops just completely shot it up. So unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. Yeah. A lot of people are dying, but the kid stays alive. I'm like, how did this little kid? Like I get they were protecting them, but well, they put the headphones on him. Yeah, and no, then, noise canceling, protect the ears. Right, yeah. and like. The headphones was somewhere over the rainbow. It's that's playing during the shootout, and it's just of, like of wow. Because of course it was. That's, that's that was a tough part. I'm oh not going to front. God. That was a tough part. But the brother of Nicolas Cage, uh-huh. he was cool. Uh-huh. He was just weird enough. I, I dug him, man. He was definitely off. I liked when he was kind of figuring out that something ain't right about my big bro when he got to prison because uh-huh. they did the switch already. And he was like, something's off. And it's crazy doing the research and seeing that Nicolas Cage and Travolta, they would watch each other because they would have to study what one another did because they were playing each other. So, yeah. for example, Travolta would watch Nicolas Cage do the disgusting tongue thing, and he was like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to do that when yeah. I become him eventually, and vice versa, which is different in the movie, probably only could be done in a movie like this. So I've never really seen anything like it, but I thought it was pretty cool. It was also fascinating to know that the scene where Nicolas Cage was breaking out of the prison and he was on top of the oil thing. Yeah. He actually has a fear of heights in real life. Uh-huh. And he said that was one of the hardest scenes he's ever had to film. Wow. Because the helicopter's shooting blanks at him and he's running and stuff, but he's trying to realize, like, yo, I don't got much room to do stuff. Like, one bad move, I could fall off and seriously yeah. hurt myself. Plus, I'm like 100 plus feet up on something. It's a little terrifying, yeah, a little, even though a scary. I'm an actor. But. Yeah, I thought both of those guys were terrific. It's very crazy that CB let us know Con Air came out like 70, 17 days before. That's that's nuts because both of those movies, even though they're great and bad at the same time, they were probably box office hits just because of yeah. the cast that they had and the big names in Travolta and... Um, Nicholas Cage. I didn't realize there's something referred to as the Nicholas Cage Holy Trinity. Con Air, Face Off, and The Rock are known as the Holy Trinity to some fans. Nick Cage action movies. Yikes. That's another good bad movie. You ever seen The Rock with no, him I and Sean not. Connery? <laughs> oh not. my God. That actually might be the best of these three movies. But um, all right. So with Face Off, interesting note. Did you see they considered Sly and Arnold? For the two guys? Yeah. They considered Michael Douglas and Harrison Ford, and they considered Alec Baldwin and Bruce Willis. Michael Douglas is an executive producer. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't realize that. Yo, MD's my dude. Yeah. So I I get it. I get why I like that movie. I thought the boat scene at the very end, it was all right. A little tough? Yeah, it was okay. That one won the MTV Award that year for like best action sequence. Wow. Yeah. By the way, the Oscar nomination was for sound effects editing. It got nominated, did not win, but it not was nominated for an Oscar. Should have been. Face Deserved off. Deserved it. Yo, probably the most eerie part of the movie for me, freaking high from that 70s show, 
was in the car getting all frisky with Travolta's daughter. That's in it. That plays in plays a little different now, doesn't yeah. it? Oh my gosh! You it, like not that you didn't root for him to get beaten up in that scene, but I was kind of rooting for it a little more this time. Oh yeah, he definitely should have got his ass whooped. But to know what we know now, right. about that actor, uh-huh. that's very eerie, and that that's very that's that's weird. Yep, but, good point. Go look up Danny Masterson if you yeah. don't know what we're talking about. Joan Allen was really good too. Joan, I, I thought she was really good. She was great. She was great. I actually saw a 92 rating on Rotten Tomatoes for this I saw movie. that too. Still nowadays? That's crazy. That is so crazy. Yeah, it is. It's wild to think of two guys that are so iconic and they're each other. They're acting like they're each other in the late 90s. It was a wild idea. Watching it yesterday, it was a weird. It's such a strange idea. Like, I asked myself a question watching this movie I've never asked myself before, but I'm like, wait a minute. It's like 90, in the late 90s. Did the LAPD not search for stuff? <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, I forgot why they did the facial switch procedure. And then I, I saw it play out last night, and I'm like, oh, they're trying to find a bomb. Couldn't you just search for it? Just look. Like, look. Yeah. He told you it was in Los Angeles. So, go. It's a big city. I know, it is. It's a really big city. You know, start looking. And then try to find some clues if you can and talk to people. I don't know if we need to go to the face thing, but obviously you had to do it for uh, for this incredible movie. Uh, John Woo directed Face Off. If you love slow motion, there's half the movies probably in slow motion. Yeah, and the, the church scene was really bad where everybody's pointing guns at one another. Oh, man. That's pretty awful. What a predicament. <laughs> Travolta's crazy lines. Cage's crazy lines early, and then yeah, Travolta's crazy <laughs> it's Travolta's crazy lines later. It's just so over the top. But you can't help but love Face Off. Uh, there's just something about it. It's just like eating cotton candy, but I mean, you know it's bad for you, but you still deal with it. Now, before I ask you for your grade, Zay, are you in for Face Off too? I, absolutely not. No. Ain't no way you could, especially this far out, a sequel, no. No. Hell no. All right. Okay, they're talking about like the, having the sons of each one somehow. Yikes, or... that sounds horrible. Okay. That maybe, sounds awful. Maybe it's the daughter grows up and then the son that he adopts. At the, yeah, anyway, I don't know. I'm not sure. All right, I get... mean, the path she was going on, I'd be surprised if she was even alive. You see what you're, that's, you're just, you're old personing what her there. Mean? All she did was get, she had one piercing and smoked a couple cigarettes. That was it. Uh, she was a little inconsistent. That's all I got to say. She was she a little, little, she was a little off, but she did take Travolta's advice on protect yourself. That's right. Because hide, there's a lot of hides out there. So whenever you get in that situation and it backfired on them, stab and twist. Twist. Remember, twist that knife. Yeah. Genius. Uh, all right. Give me a grade for uh face off. What do you think? Mm, 8.1. Oh, wow. I was actually close. We were closer than I thought. I went 8.4. I I kicked it up three notches for the fun factor. It's just so much damn fun. (laughs) God, it's fun. I don't know. I hate how fun that movie is sometimes, but it was fun to watch. The double gold pistols for Cage in slow motion and the double holster in the back that he wears and stuff. It's just brilliant. And his druggy box. Yeah, like gum and pills and doobies and stuff. I'm glad you noticed. The fact that they put chiclets in there was one of the funniest parts of that to me. Also, another wild card scene, 
when Travolta just brought in the kid at the very end was like, hey, we're just going to be raising this kid now because I know we lost ours and he's just going to substitute that. Yeah. And Joan Allen was just like, okay, I get it. Well, plus, let's do it. And plus, now the kid's got nobody to take care of him, right? Everybody's gone. Everybody's gone. You got to step up. So is he going to be in face-off too? Maybe. That'd be, oh, wow. As, as they, a, please don't do that. As a cop and <laughs> the girl works for the CIA – and come on, let's go. Please don't do that. That'd I'm, be a tough watch. Damn, I am 8.1. I'm bringing my popcorn. All right, so uh, Zay's going 8.1. I'll go 8.4 on Face Off. It's just too damn fun. Check it out if you have not. Travolta and Cage. Maybe not at their best, but it is damn entertaining. And John Woo does love his slow motion. All right, let's go to the album of the week. Zay decided it was time. For me to go through an entire ludicrous album. He knows that I like some Atlanta stuff. He knows that I'm into T.I. Everything I've heard from Atlanta, I like. And he knows I'm a Fast and Furious freak. So it all comes together on this ludicrous album. It was put out in November of 01. It hit the Billboard charts at number three. Hip-hop chart, it got to number one. And Zay, it lost the best rap album at the Grammys to Eminem and the Eminem show. Which is another album that I love. That's a great record. So I guess I understand the the thought process of, of maybe having that one over this one. But I was thoroughly entertained. And I brought up that Eminem record because that's who I thought of listening to this album. It was funny. It was clever. It was extreme. I mean, the rhythm of it was great. It didn't feel like it dragged. And everything I've heard Ludacris do to this point, I'd always liked it. Him added into different songs, but really enjoyed listening to an entire album of him. That is one talented dude, and it's just a lot. That's a that's a big hunk of fun rap from the early 2000s. Yeah, it is fun. You know, it's an easy listen. It, again, makes you laugh. The lyrics are on point. The references are on point. Like, his sports references are crazy. Oh, dude, the sports references. And Jeff Howe was right. His pro wrestling references in that one track, I bet he makes five of them in yeah. one song. Yo, he's, he's different, and... I don't think he's ever got the respect that he deserves because he is goofy. And in hip-hop, unless if you're Eminem, I mean, yes, Luda got a lot of love for it, but now people don't give him that credit just because all the videos, he had the big heads and the big feet and the big arms and move beats. So like he did that in like multiple that. videos? Yes, he okay. would do that all the time. Okay. That was his thing. I mean, look, that at was the his al- deal. look at the album cover of Word of Mouth. Like, look at the dog on the trash the can dog, with the big ass. His head. Yeah, yeah. his mouth wide open uh-huh. and the crazy afro and stuff <laughs> like that. Like, he was a fool. But area codes and again move b and saturday just hits after hits saturday's great like def jam south was on point at that time and coming from his first album with jams like what's your fantasy and southern hospitality he got with the right amount of mainstream producers like a swiss beats and a jazzy fay and timberland on word of mouth and i think this is by far his best album a classic album that doesn't get enough credit his best selling album as well roll out is a beat that i talked about i'd heard it before it's an incredible beat that's a good song cry babies is really good i enjoyed cry babies a lot um, you mentioned area codes <laughs> again. Every time Nate Dogg, I've got homes. Like he's just singing. I got, I got homes. Like he's really holding the note and everything. Area codes is great. 
Um, honestly, of the big hits, like the the big compliment I'll give him is like "Move Bitch" is a good song. I don't know if it's a great song. No, it, it's not. It's good. The hook is incredible. They don't do a ton with the verses. That's probably the least of the hits for me. Yeah, I have no idea where I twenty is right now. I know where Mystical is. He's in jail for that Hyde type of stuff. Oh, so I got you. Okay. at Mystical, he had yeah. his, he had a good run. It was. Smart to put him on. I-20. Uh, mm-hmm. See, like, Disturbing the Peace, that was his record label that was a part of Def Jam South. So it was Luda's job to sign a whole bunch of guys under him. He did not do a good job at that. Mm-hmm. While you have 50 Cent with G-Unit, and that worked out, and Wu-Tang with all the guys that they got. Luda, Disturbing the Peace, not so much. Uh, the uh, I like the skits on the album because they were kind of there's some self deprecation in the skits, uh, which I which I like that. And then later on, you mentioned Saturday. That's a great one. That little sound effect that oh in this in Saturday. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then what else? Keep it on the hush is a good song. The word of mouth. The title track is good. And cold outside. I really enjoyed that one. Oh, yeah, I like that song I like too. cold yeah. outside. Yeah, yeah. Because right. it's cold outside. Because he holds that, <laughs> oh, that big kind of low note and everything. Yeah, it's really good. And you know what else makes a talented MC rapper? Different rhyme schemes. Like Luda's ability in this song. Who that bucket naked cook with the three course meals? Mm-hmm. Like he's able to switch up his style from like going at a different pace to really fast, where you're like, man, this is very talented to where you could understand them fully and you hear the punchlines and the wordplay. And Jay-Z told him straight up, bruh, if you didn't do all that goofy stuff, you'd be one of the greatest of all time. And Luda. He took that as a compliment, but he was like, I like doing the goofy stuff. That's why my name is Luda Chris. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, right. that's a part of me. Luda was actually a radio guy. Like, he worked for an Atlanta radio station, mm. and kind of everybody knew that he was putting out mixtapes in that area, and he finally got his big break, and he took off with it. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. And it's funny you say that because early in the album, I heard a lot of the it was cool word play and little innuendos and little analogies and stuff. And I thought, wow, if he does that for an entire album, I wonder if it'll be good. But he didn't do it for the entire album. He mixed it up, like you said, kind of go back and forth with stuff. I thought it was great. All right, Zay, before I give you my grade, what would you grade word of mouth? Um, eight, eight. Eight, eight. Eight, eight. Yeah. On word of mouth. Well, you know me. I'm that summer school teacher that's going to give you a little extra love. I'm going to get Ludacris up into the A category. I'm going to go 9-3. Nine, 9-3 nine, on word of mouth. Man. I enjoyed it. We need to go look at all of the reviews that we've had. I know you take keep track of that, and I appreciate you do, because I damn sure don't, on our ratings. Because yeah. I want to see... Yeah, the comparisons like Liquid Swords and all of the Wu Tang stuff that you listen to and Nas. Like, what'd you give Nas? Um, well, I think Nas was up in like nine five, something like that. Okay, I think it was up there. Yeah, I think it was up a little higher than that. You said eight eight. Yeah, eight eight on word of mouth. It was really, really good. It was and just a lot of fun. Like that's that's not always a word you think of. Not a word that some people might think of with rap. Not all rap is fun. It's not designed to be that way. Just like other, you know, metal. There's not all metal's fun. It's not supposed to be. But sometimes, if it's done a certain way, that is a unique 
Uh, it's a unique album. It's a unique artist, and I can't imagine somebody would tell me that there's like five other rappers I could listen to that sounds exactly like Ludacris. Yeah, and you also got to remember too, like this is still fresh off of Biggie and Pac and what happened with them. Mm-hmm. So a lot of artists and a lot of these record companies, they didn't want the dark street gangster stuff as much. They wanted the fun stuff that other people could relate to just because the East Coast, West Coast beef obviously got too dark. So people like Ludacris come along and I want to say save hip hop, but take hip hop in a different direction that we've never seen it before for the greater good. And that's a lot of, you know, that's a big reason why Ludacris also doesn't get the respect because there's certain songs that he could probably take more seriously that he just doesn't. Maybe Runaway Love with Mary J. Blige, mm-hmm. where he opens up a little, Lisa was only nine years old. She's trying to figure out why the world is so cold. That's a deep song. Uh-huh. And that might be his only one. And he really shows his range there. Mm. But other than that, like, you know, that's why Pac was so legendary because Pac could give you everything. He'd give you the street stuff. He'd give you the fun club records. He could talk about his mama. He could talk about women. You know, it's just so many different things that were relatable with everybody in Pac. You couldn't necessarily say the same about Luda, even though his rhyme play and his word game was probably as good as a lot of top-tier guys that we've seen in the game. See, I think a good boundary line is, like in the song Cry Babies, you can talk about putting two in his dome. Just don't tell me who he is. Yeah. And move on. Yeah. Because that's fun. When you get specific is when it didn't turn out fun. Right. <laughs> it turned out very yeah. serious. Like Growing Pains, that might be the deepest song on the album. Yeah, that's, that's a good song. Good. Yeah, that's yeah. a jam. And that's a good track. Yeah, yeah. it is. That's good stuff. Um, there's a lot of good stuff on there. That is uh, 01, late 01 for word of mouth. All right, we've already determined next week the album uh, movie swap. I've got to deal with the movie next week, and Zay's trying to continue the trend. Zay, would you consider this movie to be a good, bad movie? Uh, it depends on who you are. Okay. As a true sports guy that looks at every single – if you're going to make a sports movie – I need to see some serious athletes. Uh-huh. Like, he got game, which you probably need to see, too. That's not what we got in line this week. But Spike Lee getting Ray Allen, who like, was a basketball player right, to become an actor, yeah. that mattered yeah. for that movie, for very specific scenes in that movie, where you look at Michael J. Fox in Teen Wolf, very <laughs> different. So there's scenes in this movie, Coach Carter – which you'll be Coach watching. Carter. Samuel L. Jackson, uh-huh. which he's great in basically everything he's in. I but love Samuel If you could take the basketball scenes, which are still pretty good, and <laughs> not go too deep with it, okay. you should be fine. And All I don't right. think it's going to go in that same category as Last Boy Scout, Blue Chips, or any of the other crazy stuff we've seen as of late. So we might actually be headed towards a good movie here. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, so the run of good-bad movies might be over. This might be a good-good movie. Coach Carter next week. And for Zay, um, I realize that uh, we haven't gone to this particular well, so I thought, let's go with a Beatles album for Zay. I'm going to go with what I think might be the best Beatles album. There's a lot. If I had to pick one, there's so many great ones. I'm going to have you listen to Revolver by the Beatles. All right. Yeah. Sounds violent. Not as violent as it sounds. The Beatles? 
you know, Revolver. Um, 1966 and Revolver. It's the album to me that mixes early Beatles vibe and what would become the later Beatles vibe. It's the it's right in the middle. It's right in the middle of it. And there's some incredible songwriting on there. So you'll go with Revolver next week, and I will check out Coach Carter. I can't wait to watch that again. Yeah. I love that movie. I know it's some parts aren't the best, but I love it. Uh-huh. Well, there you go. Nothing wrong with a little guilty pleasure. That's what we've been doing. We're kind of on this weird run of guilty pleasure movies. I'm just glad you got through Face Off and enjoyed it. Uh, that's uh, Now I feel like your life is a little more complete. and Mine is, too, because I rewatched Big Hunks of Face Off last night. All right, coming up, Why Today Matters. It is June 8th. We'll hit you with a couple of birthdays and hit you with a couple of the big stories of the day, including Longhorn football, feeling the need to change up signals and how they get sent in to the team because maybe the opponents were figuring stuff out that's up next on the horn chad and zay feel like I'm waiting for a certain voice here. I mean, if you're waiting for that voice, you won't hear him no. right off the bat. I mean, it's his crew. Okay. I was going to say, is Easy e on the way, or is it another Easy? No, Easy es on the way. Okay. All right. Yeah. There, there he is. There he is. So good. So good. One of the greatest voices of all time. He's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> he God, he's so awesome. Cool. He's so awesome. <laughs> I love clarity. He's one of my favorite just clear you hear every syllable rapper. Yeah. You hear every single thing that, that he, he can't disguise it if he wanted to. Yeah. I, I don't think he could mumble if he wanted to mumble. Everything saying. is so clear. If only somebody could give him a condom. <laughs> <laughs> if he had a condom, man, that would have changed everything. But Now that's a serious rap song <laughs> waiting to be written. What if Easy e had a condom? Yo, they made him look bad in the biopic straight out of Compton. Yeah. How you would just always be at the party and be like... Well, time to go uh, do my thing. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, God. It's mm-hmm. just how you know how he went out. It's like, yeah, that's just tough. put the Jimmy hat on, dog. That is tough. You know? Tough, tough, tough. Oh, the women. Oh, Got to man. be careful. Got to be careful. Got to be careful out there. All right. Uh, a lot of good stuff going on today. We just hit the album and movie swap with Ludacris and Face Off. That was a lot of fun. Denver had a lot of fun last night beating Miami 109-94. to And it didn't quite feel that, um, that close. The... First quarter was dead even, and then for the rest of the game, 15-point margin for Denver. They did not get outscored in that fourth quarter. Miami didn't do that to them again, and they're up 2-1. We talked about CP3 and Dalvin Cook both getting released in their respective sports. And we have a Texas football story we'll get back into here. If you're a Longhorn football fan and you haven't heard about this play-calling thing, we'll try to explain it to you right now. Why Today Matters, brought to you by Sinus and Snoring Specialists. Get sinus and snoring relief with Dr. Daniel Slaughter at Sinus and Snoring Specialists. 512-601-0303 or sinussnoringent.com. I'll also get a uh, rap question for Zay because we got a big rapper with a birthday today. Uh, but... 
you're a Texas fan, here's the basics of the story. There, if you go to horns247.com, shout out to Jeff Howe and the crew at horns247.com. Uh, a lot of great stuff over there as we get closer to Texas football. They have their insider segment today and their insider article, I should say, that hits on Thursdays. And they have, you know, nuggets and pieces of news, little things they're hearing from summer workouts. And one of them is that from a source, they find out that Texas is changing the way that they deliver signals. And I don't know, I'll be honest, I haven't heard the details of is it just offense or is it offense and defense, but the way signals are being sent into the game is being changed in some way because they feel like, Zay, that opponents were figuring them out a little bit. The Bama game and TCU games were kind of mentioned. Uh, The names of these three new analysts were mentioned as maybe helping out to figure this out. I don't know if one of them gets credit for really saying, aha, look, I see something, but Apparently, everybody put their heads together and was able to figure this out. So um, the the question I guess I had for you, Zay, at this point, if we're going to be realistic, do you think this is something that multiple programs deal with in off in the off season? It's just that we don't hear about it. Yeah, to a certain extent, maybe. Mm-hmm. If you're going back and you're really self scouting like you should, or would somebody tell me, no, 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 Chad, this happens, but this needs to happen that next week. It needs to happen two weeks after that, where you go, man, I felt like they figured us out a couple weeks ago. Let's go look at that film. Should it just happen quicker than it's happening here? Yeah, and the most frustrating part about the story coming out is the games that might have been affected due to Steve Sarkeesian messing up and allowing the other team to figure out some way what they're doing based off of week-to-week game plan. And that was the TCU game and the Alabama game, which were right in the palm of your hands. Yes, I know a lot of other things could have went the horns way to make that game change and switch, but it didn't happen that way. And now this is coming out very frustrating. But like I've been saying all show, when we talk about this, when you have all of those freshmen getting – significant minutes like a Quinn yours and a Kelvin Banks as good as Kelvin Banks was dominating all of those edge rushers that were no you know first round picks in this year's draft it's your job as a coach to make their life easier and mm-hmm. maybe Sark was thinking that we got to keep it simple with our vocabulary and our terminology when it comes to how we want to run our offense because these young guys maybe could get overwhelmed, and now we're seeing that that might have backfired. So here's another angle we haven't gotten into today. What about the idea that if if it really is Bama and, let's say, TCU, both are home games, could there be something where maybe they were just, without realizing it, getting a little relaxed on something at home, but feeling like they needed to tighten it up a little more on the road because they know they're in somebody else's environment? Possibly. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, like maybe they learned something about that. Like, wait a minute, are we is there a tell that we have at home that we protect ourselves from on the road? Because we're like, well, well, if we're at Alabama, if we're at TCU, that's totally different. But something gets maybe relaxed at home. Yeah, good point. Um, but it, it is something that again, it's not something you want to hear if if you're a fan through the years in covering different versions of Texas, it's come up. It'll come up now and again uh, when, you know, Cowboys fans following their team really closely. Every fan base, I think, will have that thing where you're like, man, I can watch the TV and tell you. I'll watch TV and tell you what they're doing. Third and whatever they put in that certain, you know, personnel package. I know exactly what they're doing. 
I remember the remember the Texas um, Texas Oregon bowl game way back with Joey Harrington. Joey Harrington, wow! Cover NCAA football three. I remember hearing something coming out of that game from the Oregon players that they felt like they knew what Texas was doing. Yeah, the def- the defensive guys for Oregon felt like they knew what was coming offensively for Texas. So this is something that it's as, it is as old as the hills in football and every sport of are you giving something up? Are you tipping your pitches, so to speak, um, You know, in, in your particular sport? Obviously, this is something where maybe Sark figured something out. And again, to the, to the possible silver lining in this story, if you're a Texas fan, maybe this can help them figure out what's been going on. And you get an idea of, you know, it's like if you go to the doctor and you hear something you never even thought of. Oh, you've got a predisposition to this. Your fa- oh, wait, you didn't realize your family has a history of this? Oh, wait, hold on. I got that. Now I can take a pill every day and it's different and it'll be better. In this case, is it, oh, wait, is that why we end up in so many close games? Is right. that why my record in one-score games sucks? Is that why our second halves are really bad? Is that why my fan base thinks that I'm really good to prepare for the first quarter, but they think I'm awful at adjustments? Is it could it be a little bit to the fact that the other team is pre-adjusting to me because they know what I'm doing, right? So there's a lot of a lot of angles there, but in a way, there could be good news here if he can realize it and then make that adjustment in time. When you inherit a ball club like Sark did, taking the, the place of Tom Herman, and you're only in year two, like you heard what Sark said to on the Pivot podcast, to Fred Taylor and all those guys. He was like, "Yo, they these guys in year three, they sound like my guys." And that's kind of what the hurdles that you have to go through in that transition when you're becoming a coach, because a lot of those guys, they are playing off of what Tom Herman was throwing in their ear. And even though it's football, obviously Tom Herman goes about things a lot different than Steve Sarkeesian does. So you have to turn a lot of guys' heads around and just hold thoughts around on your philosophy, and with that comes different terms and vocabulary that you might not be used to. So if Sark sees that and then says, man, maybe I have to go backwards just for us to have a productive offense, then I could see why you have these kind of mistakes. But, yeah, I completely agree with you, and it's <laughs> it is very frustrating, but – yeah, hopefully it's gotten cleaned up and they can move on and these things these things can't happen when you go to the SEC because, again, like you said earlier, they're going to be looking for stuff like this. Yeah, well, just all these little details. Like, here's one. If, like, already does Kirby Smart factor in that A.D. Mitchell is at Texas by changing something? Does he Even if they're not on the schedule in the next couple of years, does he factor in, well, if A.D. Mitchell is at Texas – as soon as I like every year, I'm, I know I'm gonna lose some guys. I'm gonna lose this guy to the transfer portal. He's going here. He's going there. Instead of worrying about all the details, we're just gonna change a little bit about everything. Like I don't know what the modern version of that is, but obviously there's maybe something that they you know could have found here. And like I said earlier, I want to know how honest will Sark be about this? Will he admit that you know that this story is true? Will he admit that the report is true? Again, this is coming from a source of somebody that's watching summer workouts. Cause thanks to you know, thankfully for our business, nobody can shut up. 
Nobody can keep mm. secrets. Nobody can just keep stuff to themselves. So would he admit to this? Would he own this? And then will he let us know who saw it? Would he let us know, was it one of the assistants? Actually, it was a trainer. Actually, it was this person. Zay, somebody texted us earlier. Y'all know they put people in the press box just to watch the other team's signals. Oh, yeah. Got binoculars on you. Everyone. Yeah. You're a GA. You're up there. Part of what you're doing maybe at the beginning of things is, yeah, you've got the binocs, and, hey, I want you staring at that DC all day. All day. Tell me what he does. Look at – see if you can find patterns. What are the hand? That's why when you see the sideline of a college game, in this case, you got one guy doing hand signals, one guy's holding up a card with Michael Scott from the office, yeah. the next guy's doing <laughs> calisthenics, and there's like four or five people, and you don't know who's live. Yeah. And just at baseball, same way, right? All the signals that are being given. I love that stuff. Yeah, it's all about the, the inner workings of the game. Somebody texted us earlier, so you're saying everybody cheats. No, that's not what we're saying, because there's that – that, this ain't cheating. That's that fine line. It, it, if you're using heavy electronic equipment and you're planning it on their sidelines to record it, well, that's cheating. Yeah. But if I see that your right tackle moves his foot differently on a run play than a pass play and I let my DN know that and I'm right, well, that's just paying attention. Right. Yeah, and, if there's an OU guy right now on the frontage road of 35 with binoculars trying to peek in and see what's going on in practice – that's illegal. Yeah, that's cheap. That's cheap. Like, that, that's that. that's that's flat out. Can't dirty. do that. This is. But during a game. Yeah, this is you not being buttoned up. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of like just scouting from game to game. Like, oh, this guy, he's been going left a lot. He likes to shoot going left. We see that. We're going to stop it. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's just making adjustments, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people would agree with you on that. So now it's going to be about Sark and the and his crew making those self-adjustments, being able to to look at it. So uh, if you're going to try to get a good feeling about this, Texas fans, uh, the Paul Christ move, speaking to that running game, I think that's an interesting angle. And now if you've got, whether it's Chris or somebody else around him, or maybe it was Sark himself, that said, we're really going to take a look at this. I got this feeling that this was happening in the third and fourth quarter. Why am I getting that feeling? And then either he or somebody was able to say, that's why. Look at that right there. Do you see that? That safety knows exactly what you're doing. Exactly. He saw your signal. He knew what you were doing. And do you know why? Because your signal was the same as it was in the Bama game. Right. You know, just looking at those things. And and at some point, can it go too far and you're out guessing yourself? Yes. But in this case, it just sounds like they had some pretty good intel and info. Like, all right, let's go. We need to. We need to switch it. Yeah, and you can't be an arrogant thinker and say, "Oh, well, we're just better than you. It doesn't matter if you know our plays or not. We're gonna beat you." Because obviously, that's not a thing. You want to get to that point, and there's some schools that definitely could do that. Yeah, Georgia, maybe. Bama, schools like that. They've probably done it all. You, you know, throughout. Kirby Smart, Nick Saban's career, just boat race teams, not giving a damn what they scoured or what they've seen. And again, yes, you want to get to that point, but you weren't there last year. And to have this happen, it's very disappointing. All right, real quick before the break, Zay, today is the 46th birthday of Kanye West. Can I still listen to Kanye records and it'd be okay? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'm still all right? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. He hasn't wilded out recently. Okay. Yeah, there's a Kanye record that somebody told me I needed to listen to, and I haven't yet. I've heard, I think years ago, I did listen to College, dro- college Dropout. Is that yeah, the first called? one. Mm-hmm. But then there's another one later on 
that somebody told me might be his best album. I got to check that out. I just didn't know if I'm allowed. I don't want to get caught listening to Kanye I and get know. in trouble. You better be careful. Right. I got to be sensitivity re- training. Got to be real careful. All right. Uh, coming up, stems and seeds before we get out of here. Uh, get you set up for your Thursday, including Ball Don't Lie, which is coming up next on the Horn. Chad and Zay. Know somebody that knows somebody. Just about done on a Thursday. I love the love the sample. Um, should I know it? No. I okay. mean, one of the guys. All right. Who is it? Trick Daddy. Trick Daddy. Featuring Lil John and Twister. There you hear Lil John right there. Yeah, there he is. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That one that one I should have been able to get. Yeah, and uh, the sampling of Ozzy Osbourne there. With, okay. With Crazy Train. The I, 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 I. Yeah. Oh, good sample there. I like it. Uh, also, the Ludacris album sampled some classical music, too. Very, very uppity of Ludacris. I like Seriously. that. Seriously. like that. When the guys are sampling all kinds of different things. Artists uh, picking from all different areas of music. Trick Daddy. Uh, we had No Doubt. Nickelback. Lou Graham. The Clash. And what did I just miss? There was something I just missed. Uh, Luda. Moneymaker. Ludacris. Yes. Yes. Ludacris himself. And then the Ludacris beat to start the hour. Uh, we talked about word of mouth today in the album swap. And the movie swap was Face Off. Zay checked out Face Off for the very first time. Nobody forgets their first Face Off. Man, oh man. Uh, And for those of you that wanted us to do a talk-off for the rest of the show where Zay talks like me and I talk like Zay, I don't know if we're going to do that. Yeah, that's tough. I'm not sure if we're going to do that. Because if I tried to recreate the Zay laugh, I don't know if I could get my voice (laughs) to go. I don't know if I could get up that high. And I don't know if Zay could could make himself dorky enough to get, you know, to, to be me. I don't know if... I don't know if I would have you lower yourself to that level. Yeah, I can't do it. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> no, nah, I wouldn't. Do I've it. heard how bad my Mike Tyson is. So <laughs> yeah. if I struggle at that, there's bad, no way. Yeah, not no, so much. I don't think it's going to happen. All right, uh, let's get you stems and seeds before we get out of here. Here we go. No stress, no seeds, no stems, no sticks. Brought to you by AV Consultations, 255-8678, or go to avconsultations.com. If you missed us saying it earlier, QB1 in Carolina is officially Bryce Young now. They made that announcement, so Andy Dalton is uh, officially the backup as of right now. I think everybody knew that was that was kind of coming. Good backup to have, though. That is definitely a good backup to have. That's exactly what he needs to be right now. Be the guy that can step in for a couple games if you need to. How about this story, Zay? I just saw it. Uh, Frank Clark is going to remain in the division, but he's going to the Broncos. Huh. One-year deal for the former Chief. Still a badass, Frank Clark. Seven point five million if he reaches the incentives. Turns thirty next week. The end. Still, still got, mm. still got enough at thirty. Yeah, I mean he was big about for that Super Bowl team this past season. Yeah, but Frank, Frank's still pretty good. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trip if I was a Kansas City fan or anything. Cowboys fans, Dalvin Cook is officially available today. Zay, you're still thinking the Dolphins are the first team we'll hear about? 
Yes. Showing interest? Yep, I do. What's going on with the DeAndre Hopkins thing, too? I heard he's taking a visit to Nashville to see what's going on with the Tennessee Titans, which I wouldn't be very excited about that, knowing the quarterback situation going on there. But who knows? Maybe Will Levis will be that top five pick that a lot of people thought he was going to be when the draft day came up. Zay, did you see the score last night of that softball game? Oklahoma, Florida State. They finally got to play. Five nothing, Oklahoma. Shocker. Jordan Ball is the pit. Jordy Ball is the pitcher through a complete game shutout. So not only can they hit, they got her. Got somebody making a a home run stealing catch out in the field just in case. She's now twenty two and one with a .92 ERA this year. Wow. And she's got twenty one and two thirds scoreless inning streak going at the World Series. If you need her. Be patient, Longhorn fans. That 30 for 30 on Oklahoma softball PEDs will be out in 10 (laughs) years or so. Be patient because something is so fishy about that. It's ridiculous. Coming up next, it's Ball Don't Lie with Rod and Harge and Patrick. 7 o'clock tonight, Longhorn Blitz podcast digging deep into Texas football. And 8 o'clock, it's Patrick and the crew with Insincerious. So if you haven't checked out the Thursday night lineup, just keep it right here. Have yourself a safe Thursday. We'll be back for a Friday show tomorrow. See you.